Holy shit, it's Jonathan Holmes. Oh my goodness, oh, Jonathan Holmes off. Oh, it's just me. Oh, no, you do not realize. Oh, this is crazy. Oh, I'm so Feel excited. Oh, oh wow. Excited. I've followed your work since Destructoid for a number of years. And over the last several months, I've been re-listening to old Podtoid stuff. And I'm in the thick of when it was just you and Jim. And uh, my wife has been picking up on it and has been enjoying it thoroughly as well. Oh, thanks, Larry. And Ed? Ed? Yes. Right, right. Oh, good, good, good. Uh, good, good, good. Well, I follow you on Twitter, and uh, I Larry was talking about, like, yeah, Jonathan Holmes is on Road Rules. Something I did not know. <laughs> like, he's on Road yeah. Rules? Like, Christine actually went to look up the season of Road Rules that you were on. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, it's okay, I guess. So, some people I know have been watching it for the first time, and it's not as embarrassing mm-hmm. as I thought it would be. But it's a little it's a little worrisome. It was me 20 years ago. I don't know how you feel about you 20 years ago, but uh, none. So. <laughs> That's fun. Uh, uh, so what if you were on TV at 11, Larry, saying stuff like, I like girls, but do girls like me? And, like, wondering about your whole life. And it was on TV for everybody. That would be kind of weird. Uh, well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ed's feeling it. Ed's oh, no, because I, cause I was thinking about you. And uh, the first thing that came to my mind was Rhythm Heaven, Tengoku. Uh, or then oh, it started to be sure. like, no, Rhythm Heaven, Mega Mix, which I still need to buy. And I know how you love the series. And I'm just like, can we just get can someone to talk about Elite B Agents? And can they just bring a oh, part sure. two here? I could, I could talk about that, too. Oh, like, what I do you guys want to? Uh, yeah? I You're love in? that game. I love that game. I, I, I know uh, Rhythm Heaven Mega Mix I need to buy because I heard the music in that game is superb. Like, mm. Yeah, it's pretty good. I mean, it's not the best. I don't know if you have Rhythm Heaven Fever. If you have Rhythm Heaven Fever, then you're kind of good. Like, <laughs> you don't need to get too much more than that. Was that the best one. That was, a, was that the DS one? No, that's the Wii one. Oh, no, I didn't get the Fever. It's pretty cheap. You can get it for like three bucks now. Oh, okay. I need to get on that. Yeah, that'll be fun. That'll be a fun afternoon. Uh, so how does the show work? What am I going to do? Are we doing it? Is this it? It's Have pretty we... free fall. It's, it's it as soon as Eddie hits record. Um, All right. We're, we're already recording. Well, um, I guess I'll introduce and introduce. Uh, I guess I'll do introductions and then we'll get into it. Hello, That's everybody. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome to World One One Podcast. I'm your host for the moment, Mr. Eddie V. We got a special, special episode for you. Joining me is the Red Velvet, Red Velvet Nordic Beast himself, Mr. Larry Giver. What's up, folks? And we got the, mo- by the, the, the legendary 
Jonathan Holmes of Destructoid, Podtoid, and Nintendo Force fame. Uh, a man, the the man himself, a man of the industry, Jonathan Holmes. Oh, geez, thanks, Larry and Eddie. I appreciate uh, it. I'm so, I'm so- <laughs> I feel I feel like uh, Chad Caselmo right now, just like just hyper, I, and I love Chad Caselmo. I, I we had to get him on the show because Chad is uh, I miss his podcasting voice, but he is amazing. I, and I Chad love him. is amazing. He is. I, I apologize. Uh, I, I totally forgot to address you by your formal title, the the Lord Cat Pimp of Baltimore. <laughs> So you're deep in the thick of it. You're you're oh, in that yes. <laughs> that special place where I don't know if anyone will ever go again and and had never been before. I know when I was there in Podtoid with Jim Sterling, I didn't know where I was and I knew no one had ever been there and I didn't know how to get out. And uh, I still might be there for all I know. He sucks me back in all the time. Jim Sterling. <laughs> He's uh yeah, I know. Play on words. Jim Sterling, what a guy. And he's he's taken off big. Yes. I remember he was in a he was in a uh, what what's the smallest size bed? Is that king? T- or is uh, it a twin? Twin. Smallest twin? size is a twin. Yeah. Just picture uh Jim Sterling lying on a twin bed feeling scared. Ooh. Feeling troubled at E3, I want to say 2009. And he's like, "Jonathan, do you think I should do videos?" I'm like, Jim, you want to do videos? I think that you would be great at it. He's like, I don't know. I'm not very good on camera. Like, Jim, come here. And I gave him a supportive pat and said, Jim, you are a very, very good boy. And you're going to do very, very good videos someday. Really, Jonathan? He was so touched. And now look at him. There's a star. Hundreds of thousands of dollars he's making on just videos now. No kidding. The man's a monster. I spent like two and a half weeks binging straight through the entirety of all his Jimquisition videos. Oh. I bet. Yeah, he's such a uh, – and he, he enjoys it so much. That's the thing yes. about Jim that uh, really shines through. Even when uh, he he's sick, he's got various ailment, ailments he's combating all the time. He's often on painkillers, which helps and hurts him. Uh, I think. And he all of a sudden just still comes out with a video. Uh, geez, is he on every day still or is it once a week? Um, I know Jim Quisitious are on Mondays and then he'll yep. do like Jim Precious and like Let's Plays and trailers and stuff like throughout the week. Yeah, he's still, for for a bit there, it seemed like it was every day he was doing something of some that kind. That Podquisition now as well. Yep. Yeah, uh, yeah. He's uh, completely on fire. He's got the show with Conrad he's still doing, I believe. Where they do movie commentary, he's just endlessly able to come out with something for I, people. Oh my goodness, really I love Conrad's voice. Like you guys, oh, oh, you guys, um, when you guys were podcasting, I love every one of your voices. Um, oh, that's so nice, you ready? Oh, Thank oh. you. Topher had the best voice. Like he just his deep voice, and then you see a picture of him, you'd be like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> you <Did> come from? <laughs> oh. I'm sad that Topher dropped off the map. He had uh, diehard fans. He had his animation show. I believe it was called. Um, what's it just called? The animation show. I think so. the one with the bee. The uh... yeah, yeah, yeah. With the bee dog. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, bee. Was it? It might have been. Oh, Geraldo bee dog. Geraldo bee dog. Yeah, I remember standing in line with uh, Topher Candler at. PAX East. I want to say 2008, uh-huh. and a guy just comes up to us smoking a cigarette, and he's like. Five bucks and I'll do uh, 21 handed push ups. 
And and Topher's like, you're on. And I'm like, whoa, Topher is taking the challenge. And he did it while smoking. Wow. Um, yeah, and Topher's the kind of guy. He paid up. Like, he's a very much a straight shooter, which I think made him struggle with the industry where there's a lot of, hmm, how do I put it politely? Uh, video game industry is a weird, weird place. Uh, there's a lot of people that are just nerds who thought, wouldn't it be great if I could just get paid money to like video games? That would be the best. But there's a lot of people on top of that. I'd say they're they're outnumbered by people that just want to become superstars in a, in a medium that they think is easy pickings. They think, oh, well, you know, uh, none of the big name actors are going into the video game thing. None of the big game talent are going into video games. So uh, I should be able to just become a star here. And they can be very cutthroat and just step on each oh, other. yeah. Yeah. yeah, I don't know if you've seen much of that, but yeah, it certainly happens. And I think Topher was pained by that. That's my guess. And he eventually just wanted out. He just wanted to be an innocent soul who makes things for the love of it. And uh, he didn't see that happening in the ever more crowded video game journalism world. So he bowed out. Well, I wonder that... what he's doing now. I haven't talked to him. Well, Rare was the day I was so sad that. Uh, um... Retro Force Go ended. Uh, oh, sure, absolutely. And that was kind of how it was actually in the like mid two thousands. Um, like even be like before, well, before the, like even we announced, like you had one up and you had Destructoid, and mm-hmm. when the beginning of podcasting came, you just got more opinions and some more diverse uh discussions from everywhere. Like Game Informer was big, One Up, Destructoid was getting big, and. And you just kind of miss that kind of feeling back in the day. Like, like there was just something about hearing Retro Force Go or Pot Toy when they came out. It was something about seeing the one-up show that I just enjoyed, like, on Fridays. And I don't get that anymore uh, mm-hmm. nowadays, you know. Of course, we now have Twitter, and now we have, like, YouTube personalities doing video game stuff. It just, it just doesn't feel the same almost at times. I agree. The the being at Destructoid in two thousand eight, I think, is when I started writing. There were no big name video game bloggers. It's not like right. anybody at that point was getting into it because they thought, "Wow, I'm going to be the next PewDiePie someday, or I'm going to be the next um, uh, Game Grump someday." None of these guys existed yet. I think uh, at that point, Ego Raptor was just known for making really ridiculous. Metal Gear Solid animations on MS Paint. He was like 17 or something at that point. So, uh, sure, he had a, a following, but nobody thought of these guys as like multi-million dollar rock stars. So, everyone who was in it at that point, we, we did it because we liked it, not because we ever thought it was going to take us anywhere. And since then, the industry has blown up so big, it's it's too crowded for everybody to make it if all they want to do is have fun you have to really be ambitious and treat it like a business mm-hmm. if you're going to survive in it which is why i'm more or less part-time at this point i work six days a week at a completely different job and i just do the video game stuff uh, nights and weekends because i love it and i don't care if i get bigger from here in fact i know it's probably impossible for me to get bigger than i've been in the past in this industry and I'm totally fine with that as long as I can just stick around and, and do what's fun for me I'm happy to stay right where I am whereas Jim Jesus Christ Jim uh, what he's is he gonna a monster he, icon I know in blogging it's just insane what he's built his own miniature empire 
I know. It's so fun to see that. I mean, uh, I, I was exaggerating a little bit with that story with him lying on the bed, but not really. Uh, he was really that underconfident and like worried about doing any videos at that time. So for me to see him bl- blow, bloom, blow up, I don't want to – should you say a man blows up? Yeah. Or does that get you in trouble? You yeah? Can, you can say it because it's a, it's a slang term. You know, it's All a right. cool term. Because he uses a lot of slang terms with me. Yeah. Uh, blowing up on me and whatnot, and blooming <laughs> in me. He's, he's used a lot of sexual. He wanted to do inside of you, too. Yeah, he wanted to <laughs> put skeleton bones in me. He wanted to do all sorts of stuff for comedy uh. effects. Yeah, Jim Sterling. I'm so happy about him, though. Yeah. I, I really am uh, uh, proud to have been a part of his career in any way and to see where it's come. You've had a beautiful career yourself. I love some of the creative stuff that came out of you, especially in your uh, Destructoid days. In particular, you know, Sup Homes and uh, Sundays with Sagat. Oh, jeez. I didn't think you would uh, have seen those. Thanks, yeah. Like I said, I I followed uh, most of the Destructoid crew on Detoid for uh, a great many years. uh, And it's been very interesting as well as to see Jim come to where he is now today. To see folks like you who maybe uh, read Detoid when you were younger and now you're old enough to be making your own shows and stuff to cite some of the stuff we did on Destructoid as an influence has been uh, just hugely touching. We're actually, right now I'm helping a kid, I think of him as a kid because I'm turning 40 next week and I think he's like 21 so I'm like twice as old as him. You cannot be turning 40. You are turning. I am. No, dude, because you are young. Every time I see, every time I was watching, looking at your work and I see your picture and you just say, well, I'm turning 40. I'm like, no, you're not. You're turning about 33 or 34 because I'm 30, I'm 36 and I look like I could put a book back on and walk into some high bodies high school and the teacher would be like, are you a new student here? That's how young I look. And that's the same way I envision you. Like, like I, I don't picture you getting being 40. Maybe when you turn 50, yes. But right now, I'm just like, you got to be about, about 34, 35. Like, that means a lot. I, I really appreciate that. Uh, but it's true. I can't lie. I was born in 1976, turning 40, like a week. Uh, so I, I, it's, it's kind of nice to look back on your life and think about all the stuff that you've done. And I've got a kid now, too. He just turned 16 months. So that's a year Uh-oh. and a third year. Uh, so third you're of you. much far ahead of mine. We got a an eight eight and a half month old daughter. So oh, that's exciting. That's still a tough. It, it gets a little easier once they're uh, able to get themselves out of trouble a little bit more. At eight months, they're kind of uh, crawling, but not quite capable of like saving themselves from having a pan fall on their head or something. So Ooh. she's crawling, almost standing. She's like weeks away from walking at this point. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know what I mean by when I say that at this point you're not really the star of your own story anymore. You're you're yeah. a bit player uh supporting somebody else who's on the way up and it's okay if you're not on the way up yourself anymore cuz you're helping somebody get there who's more important than you. So yeah, that's where I'm at at this point and 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 not just with being a father to a biological kid, all these like Children of Destructoid who come to me and say, I'm 20 now, and I started reading your website when I was 13, and it meant so much to me, and you guys are my heroes. Can you help me do X, Y, or Z thing? And just such a a story is happening right now. This guy, Caspian uh, Whistler, 
who uh, just got out of college. He's making a zine called Profound Waste of Time, and he didn't think it was any good, and he was going to just shelve it. But Nero and I, the, the founder of Destructoid, reached out to him and said we really liked it and wanted to help him with it. And now he's on Kickstarter, and he's going to have uh, the developers from Valam Beer get involved with it. Oh, and, nice. Uh, developers from uh, Killer Instinct and, and uh, Undertale. Uh, Earthbound, the, the guy who localized Earthbound, Marcus Lindblom is involved. Oh, wow! So, yeah, yeah. So he's he's uh, every day he tweets me, and he's another British guy. He's like, Jonathan, I'm so excited. My <laughs> life is really coming together. I'm like, that's so great, Kaz. You're really living your life. Like, oh, I'm so happy. He's just like constantly pleased with himself and I, where his life has gone. I love how the fact that every time you speak in a British accent, everybody's so relaxed and so chill. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like not all British people sound that way, but it, this is so relaxing. I'm gonna just oh no, oh trust me, I'm gonna go back and listen to this episode and just be like, oh, this is so relaxed. Jonathan Holmes was British in a past life. We're now convinced. <laughs> I have a weird British uncle who uh, talks much more like Boris Karloff than <laughs> the sweet kind of like uh, whatever kind of accent I was just doing. I guess it's more of a, a Charles Dickens. The sweet little British boy. That, you're right. Not everyone from England has that accent, but it's uh, the easiest one for me to do. That's that's uh, Yeah. Oh, and Nintendo Force too. Thank you for mentioning that. Okay, ex- talk to me about Nintendo Force because sure. I'm so half and half of should I subscribe? Should I buy a magazine? Should I not like? Like I want to know all about Nintendo Force. So go ahead, John. Tell us about uh, Nintendo Force. Absolutely, it is way better then it should be. It, it has no right to be as good as it is. I don't write a ton for the magazine, mostly because they just don't need me. We've got a, a huge uh, uh, editorial staff, and people are chomping at the bit to write for the magazine. They, they love to do it. Uh, it. It really is too good to be true. I remember when I first got an issue, I'm like, this is probably not going to be that good. There's no way it could be as good as Nintendo Power because we're just a bunch of amateurs or, or bloggers. You know, We're not big adults who have been working in the the magazine industry for a long time. But it actually is as good as Nintendo Power, if not a little bit better. And it's not that expensive. It's like, I think, six bucks an issue, and every issue comes with a free double-sided poster. Uh, I I barely get paid for writing for it. I told them, like, right off the bat, like, I don't care about money. Pay me if you want, but I'm just doing it because it's fun to see my name in print. Because I I see some of the pictures, and it looks beautiful. Yeah, it's it's really it, – it, most of the people I know who don't read it, it's because they think, well, it can't be that good. I mean it's made by a bunch of schlubs. It's not made by Nintendo themselves. It's made by fans. So it's probably going to look a little amateurish and uh, there's no way it's as good as it looks like it is when I look at screen grabs on the internet. And then they buy it and they're like, wow, it actually is this good. And then they stay subscribers. We've got a very – solid subscriber base that hasn't really faltered it's only grown since magazine started in 2014 but yeah if you like nintendo power it's basically is more of that except since we don't work for nintendo we can often be super critical of nintendo when when uh it's applicable so we were very critical we we did a a series of debates a few months ago because it only comes out every other month that's the only thing that's different than Nintendo Power is we, we don't quite have the bandwidth to put out something every month. And lately, there just hasn't been enough 
huge Nintendo news as third parties have more or less abandoned the Wii U. There just hasn't been enough to, to print a magazine every month. But with the Switch, that may change. Who knows? It, but, uh, yeah. The, the painful decline of the Wii U has been uh, sad and disheartening to watch. And, yeah. And we talked I, – I've definitely been talking about uh, third-party, uh, you know, leaving the Wii U. And I feel like when third-party leaves Nintendo, that's when failure comes in. Mm-hmm. And when they get with Nintendo and Nintendo like invest in and help in, that's when their games are better than expected. Like, sure. it, it, you gotta look at like I always take Platinum for an example. Yeah, Bayonetta one was a huge hit, but didn't nobody really uh, was looking for it to uh, part two till Nintendo got the exclusive and then all, everybody raged. But then mm-hmm. after you see the work that Nintendo and, the, and Platinum did for Bayonetta two, Activision with the, at them hard trying to get them to mm-hmm. make a whole bunch of games. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, that's a good point uh, because. I feel like Nintendo and third parties have I'm trying to think of a good analogy for it. I actually like just woke up from a nap. Ship, perhaps. <laughs> I guess it's it's. Hmm. No, that's not a good analogy either. I was thinking of STD analogies, <laughs> and none of them were quite good enough. It was at this point that the awesomeness of Jonathan Holmes joining us managed to completely wreck Skype. And so we, we have a small break in our show, and this is why I'm telling you this, but in just a moment, we're going to get everything back on track again. Fun this podcast, right? Oh, oh yeah, God, we talk yeah. about everybody. I thought you did. You have no idea. I, I'm, again, going back to Sundays with Sagat, I, I'm a huge fan because you, you touched on my absolute favorite character. You have no idea how much passion I have for the Metroid series. Oh, yeah? Yes. Oh, yeah, you're thinking about when... Uh... When Samus got in there. Samus stands 10 inches tall and proud on my back. <laughs> and <laughs> that crazy. is true. I, I've seen it. That is true. I love the Metroid series. And uh, I, I'm, 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 I'm a I'm super big Nintendo fan. My, my theater room, and I've got the standees for Echoes, Corruption, Hunters, Other M. Um, I've got a set of old, like, kitchen uh, dining room chairs uh, that a friend oh. of mine actually... Uh, they did some custom paint work for me, and they painted each of the three chairs uh, themed after the different planets from Corruption. Whoa! And Corruption, uh, not the most popular game in the series, often maligned. A lot of people talk trash about it. I really loved it. I loved uh, it. It was spectacular. Yeah, I thought so, too. Did you like uh, Metroid Prime 2 as well? Echoes? Yeah. Um, I did, actually. Out of the Prime games, Echoes is my favorite. Me, too! I, I have a weird penchant for, like, Black Sheep of this series. Like, Echoes is my favorite of the Primes. Zelda 2 from NES is my favorite 2D Zelda. Uh, mm-hmm. Out of all the Metroid games, my my absolute diehard favorite up until this summer was uh, Metroid 2 Return of Samus on Game Boy, mm-hmm. which then just got blown out of the fucking water with AM2R. Sure, sure, sure. I've uh, talked to... Um, oh, I'm trying to remember... His is handle. He's got a ridiculous oh, Dr. handle. Oh, sixty four. Yeah, that's it. He. I'm is, trying uh, to get in touch with him, and for the fucking life of me, I can't figure out how to. I can't. Oh, get okay. It. I'll help yeah. you with that. He. We actually did an interview with him for Nintendo Force a couple issues ago. This is you so amazing right now. <laughs> you have no clue. Like I, I'm, I'm so giddy <laughs> right now. This is amazing. 
Is it? Oh, yes. This is just regular for me. You're, uh, you're familiar. There's a gentleman out there uh runs a Facebook page called Mr. Wizard Reproductions. Oh, really? Uh, does some beautiful, beautiful stuff. Like, uh, you know, old super custom, like old Super Nintendo carts for stuff like Splatterhouse and all kinds of stuff. He oh, does these beautiful, yeah. amazing custom carts, like the Splatterhouse one. Looks like it's actually, it's it's done in a, I think like a, a greenish color, like a transparent greenish. Looks like it's splattered with blood and everything. Wow, neat. That's gorgeous work. But when AM2R came out, he did a very, very tiny run of uh, physical copies, uh, you know, packaged in a nice DVD case made to look like a PC release. And it was, you know, the, the 1.1 release of AM2R and a physical copy of the soundtrack, all beautiful artwork. Like the the DVD case was one of the clear plastic with double-sided artwork for the inside and everything. Whoa. I got my hands on those. It's a, a jewel of my collection. That's awesome. Yeah, a lot of the artwork that went along with AM2R the, the painted stuff was uh, right up there with Nintendo's own work, as the whole game was. So impressive. What, eight years, I think, he worked on that? Yeah. Which, speaking of paintings, by the way, whoever did that beautiful painting of yours, I want it. Because that looks like that should just be superimposed on the head of the M. Bison painting from the Street Fighter movie. <laughs> <laughs> it like oh, you mean on, the, on my Twitter? That motif, and I yes. want that, on that painting to hang in my house that is uh so kind of you it's not that big of a painting she sent me the original size of it and uh it's super small she is her name's jen trying to remember her last name i'm checking her out on twitter right now she's working on a game called steam machines 2 uh steam marines i'm sorry steam marines 2 and i'm one of those steam marines so she made that just for funsies and she's put a lot of Game developers in there, like the guy who's working on Chicken Sword is in there. Zach Bell, who's working on a game called Hacky Zack and uh, a game called Farah. He's done a lot of good stuff. Uh, Zach, There's Bell. This, like, Zach Bell sounds oh. like an anime. No, that's Zach Bell. That was anime. <laughs> Every time I hear he gets Zach, that a lot. Yeah, I'm just like, that's an anime with that robot in that dress. What the heck? There was a really good Zatch Bell game on Game Boy Advance, if I remember correctly. Oh, really? It was, uh, yeah, it uh, had pretty good sprite work. That was like the end of uh, big publishers, or at least bigger publishers, doing sprite-based games was the GBA, which is part of why I love the GBA so much. And now you really only get the sprite-based games from the indie developers, for the most part. Wasn't Astro Boy, wasn't Astro Boy on uh, GBA? Because that's Treasure. Well, which one? Astro Boy. Oh, yeah, that was Treasure, and that was GBA. Okay. Yep. We're in this beautiful era now where indie developers are almost like the, uh, you know, they're, they're not so much this tiny little unbeknownst thing now. You know, they're, they're almost their own empire in, in the gaming industry. You know, give it another five to ten years, and we could see a, a massive paradigm shift in the industry where, you know the the big publishers are struggling to to keep up with you know the indie guys because of just what they're doing and what they're putting out now. Well, th- absolutely. I feel like the indies are the new third party of modern mm-hmm. exactly. And, and as you probably heard, AAA sales are down this year overall. The new Call of Duty sold a lot less than they thought it would. Uh, a lot of AAA games. The first Call of Duty I've actually had an interest in. 
Yeah, it's kind of a neat one uh, out in space and whatnot. Titanfall but, 2 is better. Which one? Titanfall 2 is better. Oh, sure, sure. Well, uh, it's hard to compete with uh, the scale of Titanfall 2. But Titanfall 2 is not on PS4, right? Yeah, it is. Titanfall 2. Oh, it is? Yeah. It's on, uh, Which one's not? I, mean, I get them all mixed up. No, with Titan- robots no Call of Duty, uh, Titanfall, and uh, Battlefield 1, they're all on, because they're third party. They're both for Xbox One and PS4. Now, the first uh, Titanfall was Xbox One only, though, yes. if I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah, that's where I got my egg scrambled. My bad. But as you are saying, indies are capable to, to, of being so flexible being so uh, risk-taking, and they attract people who have a real passion for what they're doing, just as as you guys have a passion for what you're doing. It's all these people who grew up on video games as their their true medium of choice, as opposed to a lot of AAA developers. Uh, they end up either going indie, or it turns out that they were in it more because they were trying to uh, do something uh, like a movie or like a book. They're 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 seeking this. Um, uh, respectability that they the medium that they grew up with right 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 but but uh these indie developers a lot of them didn't even grow up on nintendo or or sega or whatever they grew up on other indie developers at this point like that zach yeah. bell guy i was telling you about he grew up on edmund mcmillan games and is like how can i take edmund mcmillan stuff to the next level uh not even considering any uh, uh mainstream appeal and as such is he's making stuff that he can't get anywhere else uh it's really fun to see it happen i just hope it keeps getting bigger yeah. hope we don't have some sort of crash because uh of- indie games used to be flash games on a, on a pc like me and larry we talked about alien hominid and all oh, right I- and how that kind of, to me personally, that was like the first indie game to get uh, a major or a second publisher because I think it wasn't Majesco, it was someone else, but it was whoever uh, was able to put that on a physical copy and release that on the GameCube and I think mm-hmm. PS2. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I have the PS, I have the GameCube version. Like this game was a flash game that nobody really knew of or some mm-hmm. people knew of. Now it's on a console. Like the Newgrounds was such a breeding ground for that kind of thing at the time, too. Yeah, 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 yeah. We actually, uh, I hate to keep referencing Nintendo Force, but it just comes up a lot. Uh, (laughs) We interviewed, but you can run the show. Holmes, you have Holmes. Our Holmes. Our tagline is: "We're a a train wreck of professionalism." You know, we air track at adulting. And wherever the show goes, it goes. If you want well, to run the show, it's all in your hand. <laughs> it's a trust. You are too kind. You were uh, talking about some of the indies that you've, you know, been talking with at Nintendo Force, and it it makes me so sad that our uh, our Canadian correspondent, the Minister of Maple, Adrian, couldn't be here because he's actually, you know, got his own small company, Frozen Machine, that just put out their first game earlier this year as well. Oh, really? You know? Yeah, cool. yeah, sadly he couldn't be here. He's been uh, ousted from power and exiled from his country. He's now on the lam. So, <laughs> son of a gun, Canada yeah. turning on him. Well, uh, he must have done something really bad. He's a car- Canada. He's a car- gentle country. He's a caramel. He started taxing maple so. syrup. <laughs> <laughs> so we were talking with Ed McMillan for Nintendo Force uh, a while ago. It's one of the, my favorite interviews I ever did. Um, Edmund. 
doesn't like to type. So we did it over Skype and I had to transcribe that sucker and it was like 2,000 words and I had a lot of uh, little ums and ahs I had to cut out. So that was tough, but it was all worth it because it was such a great interview. And he talked about how he was making games on Newgrounds just for fun and ended up making thousands of dollars there and how if it weren't for Alien Hominid, he would have never gotten to where he is now with Binding of Isaac and Super Meat Boy and whatnot. So he, again, he he loved PC games. He loved uh, NES games, but it was other developers like uh, the behemoth who made Alien Hominid, who really showed him he could take it to the next level and found inspiration from from people that truly loved it and were never in it for the money. And I do worry about that getting lost eventually because so many indie developers, uh, like you were saying before, they could be the next AAA, and that's uh, got pros and cons to it. They could be the next AAA in terms of quality, but they also could be the next AAA in terms of its people who are just trying to cash in. And they have seen uh, Notch become a millionaire, and I'm pretty sure Edmund's a millionaire at this point. There's uh, many millionaire indie developers, and people are seeing it as a way to get rich and famous as opposed to doing something that they just love now. So, And, and I think uh, that's why Yacht, like, Yacht Club get the respect of a lot, a lot of gamers. Mm-hmm. I mean, first, mm-hmm. of, first of all, people got to realize that these guys came from Wayford uh, Studios, which I still, I think they're the Konami to me. Like, I love them mm. as a company. I, I always loved Konami growing up as the, um, for the NES, the Super Nintendo, like back in the day. Not to what they are now, but when I found out that these guys came from Way4, I was just like, every product that they drop out is going to be top notch because Way4 mm-hmm. is always presented to me a Nintendo style kind of game, a Nintendo S, mm-hmm. I should say. And with the, with the, with just Shovel Knight alone, getting so many Game of the Awards, uh, Game of the Year Awards, and the people are still buying the game now to this day, physical and digital, it's just mm-hmm. like, these guys are kind of like the top triple A of indie, but they still <clears throat> feel indie because they still like, you know what? We still going to give you guys free content. You bought the <clears throat> game once and we're going to support it. Like they don't even talk about we're looking for money or anything like that because they struggle to make Shovel Knight. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. I know uh, Sean Velasco and um, let's see, he started Yacht Club with a woman named Aaron. She was like their only artist and a a guy named Waz who was their animator. And I can't remember who was doing programming at first, but that was a very big risk they took. They had a good thing going at WayForward. They all liked working at WayForward, but they had this urge to see what they could do if they had absolutely no limitations on them. WayForward is a, a wonderful company and they give a lot of creative freedom to their game directors, but they work uh, for hire a lot of the time. Konami was hiring them to make games like Contra 4, and uh, I think they were working on the silent. Say that again? Which is fucking spectacular. Oh, yeah, I know. Uh, Contra 4 turned yes. out very, very like, good. And Sean Velasco, if I'm... Way Forward came out and basically stole the greatness that Konami once had. Mm-hmm. I think the, the moment Way Forward, you know, hit the market, that's the moment that Konami turned to shit and Sterling had a field day with it. <laughs> I hadn't thought of it that way, but yeah, uh, Konami had Tom Hewlett, who gets a lot of crap, but he's a, a, oh, he's a great guy. He's, he's a, a very passionate, well-meaning guy, um, and and a very uh, 
creative guy when it comes to what he can think of for games. Too creative for some Silent Hill fans because he took a lot of liberties with that series that people uh, were like offended by personally. But uh, he did it because he loves it. He loves that series. And it was he, if I remember correctly, who worked with WayForward to spearhead the whole Contra 4 project. And Sean Velasco, who's now at Yacht Club, was um, one of the directors on Contra 4. And now uh, Tom is over at WayForward because he he liked what they were doing a little bit more than what Konami is doing these days. So I don't even know who Konami has as a creative force at their company anymore. It's just kind of bottomed down. They don't have anybody. Yeah. Uh, And I have Pachinko. (laughs) <laughs> and I feel, and I, and I feel like if Konami wants to become relevant again, even after the Kojima mm-hmm. stuff, they have to side with Nintendo. They have mm-hmm. to, they have to get Nintendo involved with them, and they have to bring that old school '80s run a gun, beat 'em ups stuff that mm-hmm. was in the arcade that never came to console because it was too mm-hmm. weird or fantastic. Like I want to see a metamorphic force. I want to see that on the Switch because it never came to console. Oh. Like, bring, like, go back straight. Now, that's how old school I am. If you don't know <laughs> how I how deep I love my video games, like, like I can tell you right now, Nintendo. Uh, my brother had the Sega, but I was Nintendo, Sega, Turbo Graphics, um, Sony, Xbox. Like, I had it all. That's how big a video game. But like, Metamorphic wow. Force too. Like, I want to see Konami bring that out and have Nintendo work with them bring that old school konami that made konami not the metal mm. gear stuff because i don't think metal gear and silent his silent hill made konami it was mm. all the, their past work that made them known for what they are and if sure. you want if you want to become relevant again bam get with nintendo so that great get so that we can get a creepy silent hill heck you got mm. tech i'm like you already you guys already got percentage of tecmo with um uh, the black made it the uh the photo horror one. Oh right right right. Uh, uh fatal frame. Fatal, fatal frame. Bam. Mm. Bring the switch. Bring Silent Hill to the switch and do something straight and say you already got mm. a, a portable game on the go. Heck, do it. Make something so weird that when you're on the go, the game realize that you're somewhere and a beautiful house that you see. If you do the switch on it with the camera, it turns into a horror house. And you can explore mm-hmm. it. Like, I would oh. love to see them to do something weird and crazy like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sadly, Larry and Ed, I think that would be like, I'm trying to do analogies, but again, I just woke up from this nap. I took my kid to this big baby party, and we had to watch the babies, like, nonstop. I was saying before that babies are, are easier when they get a little older because mm-hmm. they can keep themselves out of trouble. But when you get, like, seven of them together – the amount of trouble they can get in with just like baby fist fights, babies hitting each other on the head with pans and whatnot. It was it was a it was a lot of mental exertion to, to keep the babies from pulling each other's hair out and whatnot. So I'm a little drained, but I can do this. So uh, so Ed, I don't put a lot of mental effort into this show myself. Truth I was about to told. say super. This is just whatever happens to fall out. You guys are nailing it. I, I was about to say super like smash babies. that's what it is like that's a mod that needs to happen right now (laughs) but eddie you're the rugrats and shit (laughs) eddie your passion for konami and what konami was in this industry is, is far beyond anything that konami has for themselves they have a complete lack of passion for their own 
own intellectual properties and their own yes. potential at this point. So for you to come to them and be like, make a Silent Hill on the Switch that's like a haunted house, I guess that would be like going to um, – I can do this. All right. Analogy time. I can do this. That would be like going to a cow who's – eating grass and totally content with it and being like you don't have to eat grass you could become an astronaut this is the worst analogy ever <laughs> no i'm, it's like, I'm entirely digging yeah. it actually. it's like it's terrible it's like taking a cow <sighs> who eats grass a lot to a wheat farm and have him eat that, that, that that's too kind eddie it, it, it's a very good analogy too kind uh, Konami are, are thinking about making creative video games as hard as a cow is thinking about becoming an astronaut. This yes. is still the worst analogy, though. It works. Wow. It works for the show. Don't hard. worry. <laughs> it's hitting me hard how bad it is. They just don't care is my long-winded point. And I've yes. talked to these folks um, who are in the video game industry but never cared about video games. They were before that they they worked in like fast food or they worked for sneaker companies or something. They're they're into marketing and they're into market analysis in order to figure out where the money is and they're not into creativity at all. And when you say to them like, wouldn't it be cool if you make this kind of game? They look at you with this dead eyed stare, uh, almost like they uh, uh, are are ready to harm you. Like there's this insidious anger they have at creative people underneath it all that that's caused me to give up i hopefully i'm I'm not cynical and burnt out but i've at events like e3 i've talked to just way too many suits who i'm just standing next to them and we're watching a game being played and i'm like hey wouldn't it be cool if you like made a new guardian heroes or something and they just look at me like i'm a complete waste of space and they want to see me gone so they can go back to making money. It's it's very very sad. The upper echelons of the AAA video game world. It's not often that anyone gets there if what they love is creating. Because if you love creating, you want to be in the trenches, developing and programming and designing and and doing art. It, once you get to the top and you're making all the money, uh, the only people who get there are the people who are willing to step on other people to get there, and that's not the artists. And, that's and- the and I think that happens in an industry where when you see a big name leaving a company to start their own because they mm-hmm. want to they want to make original content. They want to make something mm-hmm. that the business suits cannot touch. Well, Kojima is a, a perfect example of that. He uh, was burnt out on the corporate culture at Konami forever. And uh, he was doing things to, like, piss them off intentionally so i'm told but because he was kojima he could get away with it but eventually uh he went too far and they had just too many instances of bad blood and it was over for him in the company and now he's more beloved than than ever arguably he's mm-hmm. um you know got his old fans and he's making new fans all the time because norman Reedus is talking about him all the time and uh guillermo del toro uh, a huge Movie director is talking about it all the time, so he's at his height. Well, Konami is is not, and I'm I'm hoping that. Uh, I, I guess I'm not cynical because I still have this weird optimism that the big business people in video game, the the AAA people, will see. Wow, well, uh, shit together, yeah. yeah, you can't treat your talent like garbage uh, the way Konami did to Kojima, or else it'll come to back to bite you in the ass one of these days. But I just don't think they'll ever learn. Trying to explain to someone who only cares about money 
the 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 value of creativity it's it's like trying to explain red to a colorblind person it just doesn't happen that analogy wasn't that bad yeah that, that was, was like a fantastic c plus maybe <laughs> well which that... is much better than my cow and astronauts one that well, I... if it's a c plus for you trust me that rates way higher on our scale oh no <laughs> you guys Fucking love oh, here. and Larry, I meant to, to say to you, you are in such good company about your love of Zelda 2 because Sean Velasco absolutely loves Zelda 2, which no, is why, why do people, Shovel Knight is the way it is. Oh, why do people <laughs> love Zelda 2? I cannot, they do. I cannot fathom that. Zelda 2 is bad. They need to remake it. <laughs> they need to turn it into a Super Metroid-style game. I, oh, that would be cool. I've literally tried my best as a kid playing the legend of zelda 2 i found it in the white bin at some unknown furniture store <laughs> that we didn't that me and my mom never knew of and we looked and it was available she bought it and i played the game and if i warp every five seconds again i'm going to scream in that game <laughs> the random battles are brutal in that <sighs> game and they're so so uh, potentially repetitive but it's unavoidable. True, true, true. I, and I say the same thing about the more recent Paper Marios, which a lot of people hate. And oh, I understand I why they them. hate them. Oh, do you like the more recent ones? Yes, do you like I, color love, I, I have a sticker star and I have a color splash. Like these are, I, I told people when anytime a lot of Nintendo games drop, it's a day one purchase. I have been mm-hmm. waiting for a new Paper Mario. And when mm-hmm. I seen the Color Splash, I'm like, I, I went bunkers on the, uh, when I seen it. And then when it came into my job, because I sell these games, day one, I, I don't care what anybody said, I bought it. And it's literally kind of, Paper Mario actually kind of selling more than Titanfall 2 or any other third big name. Like Final Fantasy in my area hasn't even been touched. Paper Mario is really? disapp- Yes. Paper Mario Color Splash is disappearing out the door. Then really? uh, Final Fantasy 15 is like no huh, one, no one, no one's in my area has even bought Final Fantasy 15. I'm the only one huh. that brought, I'm the only one that brought that and the Last Guardian, heck, and Dead Rising Four. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like like we were saying, AAA is people are burnt out. They they don't need to follow the crowd anymore and mm-hmm. buy the the big marketed game that everyone else is buying because they've got 20 games on their phone they've got free games on playstation plus they've got games on steam for cheap uh the the amount of games out there has as dwarfed the need for these big marketed games that people play in order to be a part of what everyone else is doing because there's so many little subcultures for games now it's great yeah. uh but anyway yeah i was gonna say that i was shocked that you, Eddie, like the new Paper Mario because Love. so many people really yes. And did you grow up on the 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 N sixty four one yes, and I the did. GameCube one? Yes, I did. And you did. know uh, that the uh, particularly the GameCube one had so many unique characters, so many unique character designs. It brought the world of Mario to life in a way people had never seen before. It was truly made by fans of Mario who were thinking, "What if it was?" real what if the mario kingdom what if the mushroom kingdom was a real place with real people who you could get to know and of course not every toad and not every goomba is going to be just a clone of the other one there's going to be unique personalities and uh-huh. they're going to be boys and girls and some of them are going to have a little hat on and whatnot and that's what paper mario was for so many people it was uh what a mario fan's imagination like the the greatest mario fan fiction you can think of at the time what if uh a truly imaginative mario fan got to just blow out the world and fill in all the details of what it was actually like to be in the mushroom kingdom and the more recent 
uh, Paper Mario games don't do that anymore. They they play it much more safe with just your basic toads and your basic shy guys and whatnot. And, I still like them a lot. But, uh, and that's completely fine, but it's always been about the writing. It's always been about mm. the great, great gameplay. Like, I mm. literally bust out laughing because there's just so many inside jokes that people don't get and don't realize, but I read it and be like, whoever localized this and whoever wrote this is a genius. And I crack up laughing. And when a video game could do that to me as an adult, and it make me feel like a kid again. The Paper Mario series always does does that. Like, That's great. So for you, just being there and and being in the world, reading the dialogue, uh, ingesting what the writers came up with is enough. You're you're. It sounds like in general, Eddie, you're the kind of guy who's able to enjoy something for what it is yes. and not hold it up to some standard that if it doesn't meet that particular standard, um, sometimes an impossible standard when you grew up with a game, you mm. can't help but uh, expect it to make you feel the way you felt when you were 10 years old, even though now you're you're 30. Uh, sounds like you're able to just find uh, the worth in a game for what it is instead of judging against what it could have been. Yeah, well... Jonathan, I, I, I want to be extremely respectful of your time. I know you said you only had about an hour. And there's oh, sure. uh, two things I wanted to, to touch on before we uh, before we part ways. Um, we have the, uh, the the nominees for our uh, Game of the Year awards for World 1-1, um, all up for the prestigious Golden Warp Pipe Award for Game <laughs> of the Year. Um, the nominees are uh, Titanfall 2, mm-hmm. Xenoblade Chronicles X, uh, oh. The ukulele demo and uh, AM2R, and we're going to be posting up the uh, the poll on the Facebook page, and I'll shoot it out on Twitter as well, and uh, we'll keep that up for uh, the next couple of weeks till the uh, last show of the year when we announce the winners. And then we've also got the uh, nominees up for the uh, far less prestigious Rusty Wrench Award for uh, <laughs> most missed opportunity of 2016, uh, including uh, Uncharted Four. Uh, Recore and Mighty Number no. Nine. Um, so wanted to get that out there for anybody listening. Uh, you know, hit up the Facebook page, hit up the Twitter. Uh, the polls will be up there uh, for the next couple of weeks, and then uh, last show of the year we will be announcing the winners um, of the uh, the prestigious uh, Golden Warp Pipe Award and the uh, far less prestigious Rusty Wrench Award. So that way, uh, whoever wins that one can uh, have something to fix their shit with for next game. <laughs> <laughs> uh, having uh, talked to the developers of AM2R, also uh, talked with uh, one of their sprite artists, Steve. I know if they win anything, they were so crestfallen. They were so hurt to have their game taken out of the running for the recent video game awards with uh, Jeff Kiley. They were so sad. On the show for a couple of weeks. And I bet it has been. And did they didn't even show that uh, portion of on the game game awards. No, to oh. my knowledge, they just dropped the category altogether. Because there was only two games left, I think. It was Doom yeah. and uh, I can't remember what the other one was. It was clearly going to go to Doom, so they just... Yeah, that was sad. Nintendo, jeez. I've talked with Dan Edelman, who worked at Nintendo um, for years and years. I don't know if you know who Dan is. He was like their head mm-hmm. indie liaison for a while. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I can't repeat too many of the stories he's told me. He loves so many of the individuals at Nintendo, but the culture there, from what I've heard from him, just finds a way to make the wrong decision. Even when really good people are are there trying to make the right decision, 
some somehow the way they all come together, they just end up shooting themselves in the foot so badly and looking so bad to their fans uh, time and time and time again. Uh, I've been a proponent, like I said, I've, I've said for months now since it came out that, you know, the, the smartest thing that they could do would be to pick up Milton and his crew mm-hmm. and get the rights for AM2R, publish it on the 3DS or publish it on the Wii U, or at this point, put it out on the bloody Switch, you know, mm-hmm. polish it up, get it running in absolute, you know, 1080 high res and, you know, get the rights for that, get a get a different crew working on just tweaking it and getting it running and then take Milton and his crew and set them off doing Metroid Dread. Sure. Oh, wow. Metroid Dread. That's a nice callback. Which eventually became Metroid Fusion? Or was Dread after Fusion? Dread was supposed to take place after Fusion. It Ah. was one game on that E3 list from years ago that never materialized. Every Uh other game on that leaked list eventually came out. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, so, I wonder what happened with that. So yeah. many Metroid um, prototypes have come and gone. I've heard about I know that Next Level was working on one at some point. That got dropped. And then they they land on Federation Force. I mean, it's not a, it's not a, a bad game to play. The, I think the engine is good. I think the combat system is good. Just not what anybody wanted in a Metroid game. Yeah. Say that again? The timing was wrong. Oh, yeah, it was. Oh, yeah. And I, I agree 100% with what you're saying about getting Milton and his crew on board for an official Metroid game. Sega did it with Sonic Mania. That's being... Well, uh, Sega need all Sega the help they could get out. for their games. <laughs> yeah, Sega's another story. But they're at least trying to turn it around, unlike Konami, exactly. which is just sticking to their guns. Sega uh, sees that what they did wasn't working and are at least trying to embrace their community uh, in, in ways that are going to resonate with them. So I, I hope for Sega. I hope for the best for them. A lot of good Give me Vanquish there. 2, Sega. Stop pussy I know. around. Give me Vanquish 2. I, I want to know what Eddie's favorite TurboGrafx-16 games are. Oh, uh, do you want to this? Uh, yeah, I do. Oh, Eddie. my goodness. Uh, all the book games, uh, book one, book two, um, Keep Courage and Alpha Zone. Um, Bishop wanted a part two. You are a forgiving uh, man, uh, Eddie. Yes. To forgive Keith Courage for what it did to us. I and mean, I love the music. I love the concept. I love that revolver-headed guy with the sunglasses. <laughs> but yeah. to actually play uh, Keith Courage is it, it? It takes a lot of courage. Oh, uh, I I've been in that game so many times. And what? They, yes. How I, can you even play it without just getting sad? And because <laughs> I, it's it's called it's called having that rapid fire button uh, mm. uh on in the controller. And That's true. It be, does have a built-in turbo button. Yeah, like I love Keep Courage in the Alpha Zone. Uh, and I don't care what a lot of people say. I love that game. I love you, Holmes. Don't worry about it. You, oh, that, 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 and and, uh, and, and Keep Courage has a very special place in my heart as well. Yeah. But to actually play it hurts me a little bit. These um, days. I mean, because it looks weird. Okay, I, I can understand when you're Keith Courage and you're hitting enemies with that little white stick. And it's just like, is this supposed to be a sword? <laughs> like, what kind of graphic? Well, if you remember, the design philosophy of Keith Courage was like, let's make you terrible for this town where you just walk right and, like, rocks fall from the sky oh. and you have to hit one sometimes. And then it gets really exciting and it's almost as good as a normal game when you actually get in the armor, but it's still 
kind of not that good. Yeah. You don't get any real power-ups. You just have a laser sword and can walk faster. Um, so that's when you're like a, a true hero, when you're almost half as good as Mario uh, in the uh, the armor sequences. Keith Courage. Uh, Ninja Spirit, Vigilante. Um, Very good. Uh, Splatterhouse. Um, uh-huh. It was the one with that had the, a little axe, and I cannot think of it. Uh, Goal, uh, legendary axe, one yes, and two. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I love both of those games a lot. Uh, I didn't play play the Bruce, uh, Bruce Lee one where he took up half of the screen. Oh, and, China Warrior. Oh, that game is horrid. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're huge, and so many things can hit you. Yeah, you're constantly like the opposite of Bruce Lee. Bruce Lee seemed like he was impossible to hit because mm-hmm. the philosophy as martial art was be like water so you can fit into any situation without ever running into a conflict you can't deal with. China Warrior was just be a giant wall that gets hit by bats <laughs> and yeah. just punched by a lady who's – you shouldn't be able to get beat up that easily by a lady, but you do. And yet – I still love China Warrior. Um, it, it holds a very special place in my heart as well. Uh, Devil's Cru- Devil's Crush. Oh yeah. Uh, oh, I That's love Devil's stuff. Crush. Uh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't know this, Blazing but there was a sequel. Oh, Blazers Blaze. Yeah, Blazing Blazers. See, I never got to try that one, and I wanted to. What? Yeah, they got you. Go fucking download it. Oh, I you need to. It's, it's on the console on the Wii. Get going. It is. Absolutely, it, it's more than worth. The music is great. The action is fast. The weapon system is incredibly oh, varied. That, that was brilliant for any yep. kind of, uh, you know, ship shooter at the time. Sure. That was just spectacular. Bosses are good. Bosses are weird. I think you fight a naked lady at the end who's just in a bubble. She's just spending time there, and oh, you've got wow. to shoot her with lasers. God, laser ones. weird ones, R-Type Final for the PS2, that last Oh, game. yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> I remember I was working at a video game store. I was working at a game crazy when that came out. So and my nice. boss and I both picked it up and took it home the same day. And I remember coming in the next day. I'm like, did you finish it? It's like, yeah, did you? Uh huh. It just nobody talks about it. Okay, I need to buy that <laughs> game. Cause... Look and nobody oh, says sure. a word about it. If, if I... I remember correctly, Larry, that one had branching paths. So you might not get to the true last level the first time. Uh, that last stage in our type final. The really the last stage. Silhouettes of two people fucking. That's right, Larry. You you call the spade a spade. Oh my goodness! That's I need to find this. On. I need to find this game and I need to play it. Like a right to meow. Yeah, R-Type is a very special series when it comes to sexual innuendo. Like uh, they they were heavily influenced by the work of H. R. Geiger, who on the Alien uh, movies. He was like, can I just make a penis-headed monster? Can I get away with that? And he did. And they're making a new one, like, this year. What new about, dickhead uh, alien. What about Parodius? Oh, Parodius, uh, for sure, too. All the Konami shooters were fantastic. But I got a, a tangent about R-Type a little bit longer because I have a little bit oh, longer go, to talk. Go, I never go, get to talk about go, video Go, go, go. Just a, a dad full-time and working. So, yeah, uh, R-Type, influenced by H.R. Geiger, from the very start, they were like, can we slip a dick in this game? Can we put a vagina in this game? The second boss, uh, the boss of level two of R-Type is just a dick going in a vagina and then coming out. And you can shoot the dick and it, it dies. The dick dies. My wife is over here on the couch dying, laughing, silently. Oh, that's great. Oh, God, yes. She she was determined to come down here. She's had the kid on her tit the whole time to keep the kid quiet. <laughs> so she, I think my kid's probably off. Cracking up over too. here. Which, uh, so, but with R-Type final, Larry... 
you, you nailed it right on the head. They gave up on metaphor, and they knew it was the last R-type. So they're like, yeah, we're going to admit it. It's a game about fucking guys. Yep. There's, 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 there's dicks going in in Great our games. Bucks. Here we but go. Those... <laughs> I need to go to GameStop. me to swear too. Yeah, I need to I'm go sorry. to GameStop or go to Amazon, and I need to order this right now. Like, there's also a ship in our type final called like the love muscle or something that's like uh, a penis with a uh, heart at the head and it shoots little hearts like they went all out with uh, oh, just it was talking beautiful. about sex it was salt fantastic. and pepper style yeah he said salt and pepper style yeah I don't even know oh wow oh wow I love this uh, I didn't play the Castlevania one because uh, I didn't have um, oh yeah, I didn't. Not have the, too late. Yeah, that's also on the virtual console. If you're talking about uh, Rondo of Blood, yes, uh, very it's important actually, game. Our type, by the way, is actually running pretty cheap on Amazon. You can find used copies for about seven and a quarter. Oh no way! Our type final. I'm staring at it right now. That is a really good game. It, uh, like I was saying before, it has branching paths. So even if you play through it once. You've probably only seen maybe a third of the levels, maybe a little bit less. And it's got like really weird uh, uh, aspects with it to, to make the, the uh, branches path. So there's a lot to discover. I think it has like 100 ships in it. Definitely worth playing. Oh, yeah. That was part of the cover was just the row of ships. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm sad that series is gone, but at least they ended on a good note. Um well, I think that, speaking of ending on a good note, I may have to wrap it up, fellas. I have to hold you for just a minute. Sure, sure. My wife will kill me if I yeah. do not bring this up and ask you this. Yeah? Jonathan Holmes, Jonathan uh. Holmes, is it pedophilia or not if I can only masturbate to a carton of unhatched chicken fetuses? <laughs> I haven't gotten a question like that in a while, Larry, and I appreciate you asking it. <laughs> Uh, is it, I would have to say that that is a deeper fetish than, than most I've heard. And I've heard a lot of them unhatched chicken fetuses. Well, it's just a fun way of saying carton of eggs. Cause that oh, eggs, unhatched chicken fetuses masturbating. I don't know <laughs> what the name of the philia is for wanting I, I and I don't even know if you want to have sex with the eggs or whether just the idea of eggs is enough to make yeah. you feel fantastic. <laughs> so I'm gonna say no. The definitive on that. All right, I'm in the clear. <laughs> Not going to jail today, Larry. Grocery You're store here I come. Eggs. And everybody, that's how World One One does this podcast. <laughs> Hell, guys. Uh, I was first, Jonathan. Please plug your stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Nintendo Forest has a new issue coming out in December. I don't know when the show will be out. You may miss it. You have to buy it before. This show will be, out. This show will be up like tomorrow night. Oh, cool. So yes. uh, it, if you it, are it interested. Less than 24 hours to edit and post. Awesome. Because I know uh, before we were recording and I think I, we got cut off in the middle of me rambling about third parties and Nintendo. So hopefully that won't be too painful of an edit. Feel free to cut out everything I said if you need to. Just oh, to I this- know exactly what I'm doing for that edit. Trust me. Oh, you're so smart, Larry. So, uh, yes, this show will should be out before the 16th. And if so, you could get the next Nintendo Force. If you like Nintendo games, I think it's quite worth your while. It's got a double-sided Zelda Breath of the Wild poster <gasps> that comes for free. Uh, oh, that everybody buys it. it. 
I'm what did I do for this I issue? Posters from Nintendo Power. I know every single issue comes with a poster, and the the Mario Kart poster we did a while ago was like wall sized. It was gigantic. I think it was a Kickstarter bonus or something. I'm trying to remember what I did for this issue. We have a exclusive reveal. I don't know if you guys like the Bitrip series, but we have an exclusive. <gasps> yes. You have no idea. Oh, uh, yes. you? oh this is. I, I was holding on to this until I had more concrete information, but uh, we're we're I'm talking with um, Choice Provisions, formerly Gaijin Games, about uh, having them drop in on the show as well. Oh, cool! Yeah, are you talking with Dan? Are you talking with uh, Mike? Uh, I have to double check. I want to say it was Dan. Dan Rambo. He's a hell. I've, I've got to get back through my emails and find out exactly who. But sure, we, they've got a lot of people at the company now. with them. Um, <laughs> Yeah, Holmes, yeah, that's uh, that's something that we're trying to work on. Oh, Holmes, that's fun. I, I read your story on um, Destructoid uh, today oh, about right, right, that, right. and I was yes. just like, "Really? I'm like, why did I not know this? Like, I love the bitch. Oh goodness, I'm so giddy right now. I love the Bitrix series. <laughs> Me too. Uh, they were some of my favorites on WeWare and everything that followed. So we have an exclusive reveal of a Runner Three character in the next issue of Nintendo Force. I know I reviewed something. I reviewed Fairune Two on the 3DS, which is an okay game. I kind of liked it. And we interviewed Game Explain, I think. There's a lot of stuff in there. Oh, and and we also listed all of the Wii U games we hope get a second life on Switch. So there's a big like Wii U retrospective in there. So even though it's kind of a slow time for Nintendo games in terms of uh, new releases, last one was Pokemon Dreams Dreams to talk about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To, To come together as a fandom and talk about the things we're hoping for the next year is always fun. And that's what this next issue is about. So you would still have time to get that. Uh, what else am I doing? Destructoid is still right there. Not as much. More like once a week as opposed to when I was editor-in-chief. It was like all the time. And that was fun, but it was a lot of work. So I've taken a, a backseat on that. But still writing there. And voice acting? Voice, I did voice acting for a game called Read Only Memories, but I'm not sure if it's even out yet. Oh, it's hard for me to remember all the stuff I did. Yeah, all sorts of things. I've been very lucky to get to do them. Profound Waste of Time. That was the other one I should definitely plug. That's still on Kickstarter. We've already made our funding, but we're announcing new people all the time. Toby Fox, the creator of Undertale, is writing for it now. Um, Nice. Mike uh, Mike Z, a huge Metroid fan. Mike Z, who did the game design, the the actual fighting engine, the fighting uh, techniques for Skullgirls, and now is working on Invisible, new game from Lab Zeros. He's going to write for the zine now. Uh, again, it's called Profound Waste of Time. You can find it on Kickstarter. It's uh, going to be a lot of fun, and that would be probably the main thing people should check out that I'm working on now. They only check out one thing. And where can I guess that's you on Twitter? Well, Jonathan, if, if you would be so sure. kind, too... Um, after the show, if you get an opportunity, uh, throw some links together and drop them on the uh, Facebook page for uh, the show. That way, uh, anyone has easy access to uh, reach out to any of it. Sure. I will ask my wife. I'm off Facebook because so many people just talked about wanting to stroke me and whatnot because <laughs> Wait, Jim Sterling. I, yeah. I talked a lot about Jim Sterling on this show because I, I do love him. And uh, the downside of loving Jim Sterling is then people who want to be Jim Sterling talk about how they want to love you. There was there was years where I'd go oh, on Twitter God, and just be like, wonder what's in my timeline today. It would just be like, <laughs> how's your anus, Jonathan? Just strangers talking about my butthole. Uh, what? So, yeah. 
Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Jim yeah, Sterling. Eddie, I think you've missed that whole section of Pod Toy. There, there was a whole lot of uh, Sterling on Holmes love. Yeah, and it, and it was, yeah, he did that. <laughs> yeah, uh, and I followed you on Twitter. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm at Tron Knots on Twitter. At Tron, like the movie, then K N O T T S, like Don Knotts from Andy Griffith's show. Put them together. At Tron Knotts. Oh, my son showed up. Oh. Hi, Ryan. Little He's a baby. And on that note, fellas, I better go. I just press the red button and then I go. You got it. You got it. You will be Thank you, Josh Holmes. Thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. We hope at some point you'd be willing to come back with us. I'd yes. love to. I'll do a better job next time, I promise. Oh, you were you, phenomenal. You, Don't ever uh, think you're hurt. Exactly. You hate Larry. W. Thanks, Eddie. Feelings mutual. Talk to you guys soon. Take care. Bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Oh. Eddie, plug your shit. Let's close this up. Oh, I, I'm so giddy right now. <laughs> you don't know. Oh. <laughs> Everybody, you can follow me on Twitter at that retro code. I also do a podcast called Optional Opinion, which you can find on um, the anomalous radio network.podbean.com, SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play. I also write for IGN.com under NMA, E N I M E. That's where I post my optional opinion blogs. Um, well, I don't write for IGN. My stuff is on IGN, I should say. Um, Skirmish Frogs, I got a series called The Moment, so you guys can check that out. Um, what else? Um, I'm on Teen Nerd and Digital Nerds Advocate, um, doing podcasts, uh, with them and writing also for them. Uh, great guys. I love, uh, just being an honor. And I love podcasting with my very own Larry Giver. And when a- whenever Adrian comes on, <laughs> the rare occasion that we get Tony as well. And, and my God niece, baby Olivia has showed, ooh. <laughs> Uh, but uh, yeah, you guys could check me out there. Uh, you could check out uh, DNA um, <clears throat> on YouTube because uh, we're going to be having some new content go up there soon. Um, but yeah, you can follow. Uh, you can email the show at a world one one podcast at gmail dot com, and we have a Twitter which Mister Sir uh, Larry would talk uh, about. We, we are now out there on the uh, in the Twitterverse. Uh, world one one podcast at world one underscore one podcast um also as always uh hit up our facebook page i know i've talked it up i'm going to keep talking it up uh for the next couple of weeks you know we are uh we're looking to do some uh some expansion over the next uh year uh in 2017 um we need your love and support to make it happen we are trying to grow the audience so we would uh, greatly appreciate it if you uh share out the uh, show to your friends if you happen to uh like listening to us you want to share something awesome with them uh if you actually hate our show just share it with people that you can't fucking stand and uh force it upon them and uh, make them suffer through it uh you know dealer's choice at that point um we are uh, of course you can find the uh the latest episodes the fastest up on archive.org uh links to that of course on the uh, facebook page and are now being reshared out on twitter uh, every week when the new episode goes up. Um, and, of course, too, working on the uh, tail end of uh, bits and pieces on getting the YouTube channel up. Uh, at the moment, the YouTube channel going to be uh, just you know another avenue to get a hold of the audio-only podcast. Um, potentially, uh, if things go the right direction, we may be exploring into doing a, 
uh, a video, an actual, uh, you know, full-blown video addition to the podcast for the YouTube channel, uh, depending on how that runs. But, uh, again, keep your eyes and ears peeled. That should be coming hopefully in the next few weeks. And with any luck in the next few weeks, we'll be able to get the iTunes issue straightened out. So that way uh, the show will be running on its uh, own stream onto iTunes as well. Uh, it's going to take a little finagling. But, again, uh, the uh, the person that uh, probably has the greatest handle on that right now on the lamb is the uh, Minister of Maple, Adrian Nieto himself, having currently been ousted from power and exiled from his own country. The caram- Holy shit, that's a lot of talking. i got to stop to breathe now. The Fuck caramel me. connects again. And with that, everybody, thank you for joining us once again. Uh, Jonathan Holmes, if you listen to this episode, thank you for being on the show. We truly appreciate it. Truly, uh, we're just, we're just honored to have you on the show and to nerd out with you and stuff. Um, your your uh, analogies were, on, were spot on, I should say. Absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen, it's uh, Jonathan Holmes. It's been a wonderful pleasure having you on. Again, I, I know you've dropped off, but you'll hear this. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, good night! Night, everybody.